Hey y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice, and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. All right, y'all, we're back with another episode of Black and in Grad School. Thanks for joining in. Today, I'm really excited. Um, with for our guests because they're a friend of a friend like which essentially makes them the homie like off the bat so <laughs> just i want to say uh amante welcome to the show and thanks for coming on hey thank you for having me absolutely so um we're getting to know amante together y'all just so y'all know but here's what uh marquise from detroit worldwide podcast connected us and a little bit more so you know about amante is he's a just finished his second year of his PhD. He's hopefully ABD soon. Like, shout out to that. Yes. He is a, a graduate of Florida A&M with a major in agribusiness and a minor in economics and landscape design. He got his master's from Purdue in agricultural education. And he is now doing his PhD at the University of Florida in forestry resources and conservation. And his dissertation will focus on outdoor recreational constraints of people of color in Hillsborough County. And he is also the host and creator of the podcast, Trust the Process. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, it makes me sound like I did something. I mean, you did. You did. I mean, that's how we got connected because... You a mover and shaker. So I want to know what made you choose ag as like this kind of space and specialty? How did you know that was the the area or the discipline that you wanted to pursue um, coming out of high school? Well, honestly, I have a, I have a unique story. Um, okay. I played football for years in undergrad. Um, and upon graduation from high school and graduation practice, I was told that I couldn't graduate with my class. And so I had to, long story short, I had to get my GED. Um, so I got my okay. GED. Um, I enrolled at FAMU. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just knew I liked to draw. I liked to be outside. And I like to be creative, you know, and use my mind. And so it led me to the landscape design program at FAMU, which was in the College of Agriculture. Um, gotcha. And so, you know, that's how I started my agricultural journey. Wow. I mean, and I think... That's real. Like people always love to hear, like, or assume they're going to be these like super linear stories. And so already you gave us a little shake up with um, things happening with you playing football and then having to transition, but recognizing kind of your where your interests lied and like a place where you can apply those skills. Mm -hmm. And so how did you come across like getting the master's and PhD? How did you decide that was the path for you? So as I stated, I, I you know I, I want to use my skills, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I got into landscape design, and I, I was approaching you know that mid junior senior year with landscape design, but I couldn't find any internships at all. Like I couldn't find anything where I could try to apply what I was learning. And fortunately, at the time, I was working at the Home Depot in the Garden Center, and I kind of started my own business where you know, people would come in, buy plants, and I would put them into their, their yards, and they would call me over and things like that. And so I kind of started my own business slash internship by doing that. But 
being at FAMU, the program, it was maybe seven people, freshmen to soft, freshmen to seniors in that program. And so they got rid of the landscape design program, which forced me to switch my major to ag business. So I ended up getting a minor in landscape design and switching over to ag business. And so majoring in ag business, I really didn't know what I wanted to do at all. Um, mm. So to give you some context, I was chasing, I was still chasing my football dream of playing football. My dad played football. He got drafted in the 1999 draft to the uh, Buffalo Bills in the seventh round from FAMU. And so I always wanted to pursue and be like him and play football. That was just my dream. But, you know, I almost flunked out of FAMU. I went to Fort Valley State, almost flunked out of Fort Valley State because I wasn't really going to school to learn. I was going to play football. And so I went back to FAMU, and that was the time when I started in landscape design. So fast forward, I'm back at FAMU. I switched my major to ag business, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But I got the opportunity to go to South Africa um, for a study abroad program, and that that trip changed my life. It changed my perception of where I can go and where school could take me. So we went to South Africa to study agrarian land reform policy. And with that policy, after the apartheid, the South African government was giving back land to previously disadvantaged people. And so we went over there to study farmers who were successful with getting loans and things like that from the government to sustain themselves on farms. But there was an issue where you're going from, you know, being a farm worker to owning your own farm. And what does that take? You know, what? How do I manage and sustain myself on these farms? And so we went to talk to those farmers. And the second week, which was the most you know, eye-opening week, was we went to a primary school to talk with children, to start a garden, to teach them how to be financially independent from the produce that they produce in their garden. And so, and they will be the future beneficiaries of these policies that we were there to study with the, with the farmers. And so not only were we getting them interested in farming, but we were teaching them how to farm. And, but in me, it taught me, I was just like, wow, I really want to be in this space of, you know, food insecurity, um, teaching individuals through gardening, um, you know, urban gardening, what have you. And so after that trip, when I came back, I was just so gung-ho. I was just, I have to be in this space. I have to be able to use the garden to teach um, some way. I want to do entrepreneurial gardening. That was my thing. And so... <laughs> It was it was a hard transition because once I got back to the States, like I said, I almost flunked out of FAMU, flunked out of Fort Valley. Uh, my cumulative GPA at the time was a 2.3 GPA, but my semester GPA was like a 3.5. And so I had to battle with myself, like, do I want to go to grad school? Will grad schools accept me? Uh, what is that process like? And so I, I began to apply to agricultural education programs. And fortunately, I got into Purdue University with Dr. LaVon Esters, who was also an alum of Florida and University Ag Business Program. And, and that's what started my graduate school journey. Yes, I love to hear just like those pivotal moments that everyone has. And especially with it being a study abroad experience, I think that's so awesome. Like that's definitely something that I wish I experienced in undergrad, but like you took that opportunity and really it sounded like it sparked something in you. And I always think that's just like so, so exciting mm-hmm. uh, to hear like someone's like moment, like, ah, this is like really dope. And and also as someone who had waves of inspiration, motivation in, gradu- in undergrad, I totally get like being concerned about getting accepted in the grad 
graduate school, but also that moment of like, no, I'm really interested because now I have like a point of motivation and inspiration that gets me interested in my classes, right? Like, like you said, you had that class, that semester GPA of a 3.5 because you were interested, you know, you found your area or the, the, the thing that made you excited about the topic. Mm-hmm. So I think that's super dope. Mm-hmm. And something that a lot of us are probably thinking, you know, if you all hear, you all know already that Amante is in a PhD program here and you went through this master's program. So if you're thinking about your GPA and concerns about those things, we know that there are ways around it. And also mm-hmm. shout out to like that FAMU connection too, right? Like the oh, fact yeah. that there was a, a professor who was from the same program as you somewhere and looking to give an opportunity to a fellow um, HBTU grad, you know, especially because y'all both went to FAMU, like that's always so dope and like makes my heart like smile. Like, <laughs> yes, that's what you want to see. So that's really, that's really cool. And I'm assuming, so what happened while you were at, at in, in that master's program? Did you know then like, okay, I'm doing the master's and doing the PhD or was something happened while you were at Purdue that really kind of pushed for the PhD? Yeah, it was it was Purdue. It was definitely Purdue. Okay. Um, so, you know, you hear all the horror stories about going from PA, um, HBCU to PWI. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm from Florida, born and raised. Never seen snow in my life. Um, so moving to the first time I saw the campus of Purdue University was I got an internship with Monsanto um, mm. in Iowa. <laughs> so I graduated Fam, you May third, May twenty third. I got married. Uh, we drove up for my internship around late May, early June. Um, I drove through Indiana. That was the first time I saw that campus um, before I got there, and so it was a it was an eye opening experience. I mean, snow and, and traveling, and I had yeah. my first son up there. But the academic side was was very interesting because, like I said, I was my advisor's mission was to increase under the representation of underrepresented minorities at PWIs from HBCUs. So I had about six individuals in my cohort from all from HBCUs and they were all pursuing PhDs. I was the only master's student. And so just being around them, going to class with them, uh, seeing how they interact with our advisor, how they approach their day-to-day studies. I was like, you know, that that's what I want to do one day. You know, I want to be in that space with them. You know, they 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 motivated me. But in terms of my focus, it was kind of it was different because my, my advisor, like I said, he was he was all about mentoring and increasing our representation. And so my, my focus was on food insecurity and you know agriculture education and so trying to blend that and find my my kind of niche within the master's program was kind of difficult but just being in a space where i felt comfortable with my cohort was was an amazing transition for me yes that's so beautiful like oh that is like just to hear that and know that there are faculty out there that like that is their mission and they 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 are committed to it and are flexible and of course giving you the space like to of course do the it sounds like the academic side like many HBCU grads it's not that it's difficult it's the social side it's like there are a lot of like changes to the culture of a PWI versus a HBCU that are very hard to um, articulate. Mm-hmm without being rude, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so that that difference I, I totally can relate to um and I understand. But but the difference I think in our experiences at least was that you had a advisor um and also a cohort of people around you who it sounds like have very similar experiences, looked like you that like definitely 
made the PhD route look totally, totally like doable. And uh, and you were in a space that supported that. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, one thing I want to shout out, uh, yes. <laughs> Dr. Brittany Brown, Dr. Tori Crops and Dr. Brandon Allen. Those were my cohort mates while I was up there. Um, and so I just want to shout them out. <laughs> yes. All right. Shout them out. We need to reach out. Okay. Like uh, come to the podcast, please. And thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what's up. So now you're at University of Florida. You're getting ready to propose and get on with like life post PhD. So what is it that you hope to do? Are you still interested in the entrepreneurial farming? What's next for Amante? So so my my vision kind of changed. I mean, as I learned mm-hmm. more, you know, in the master's program, I came in with all these grand ideas and I met my advisor's red pen. You know what I mean? I met that. Mm. <laughs> I met the chop, the chopping board. But I, I think what that did for me was it kind of narrowed my focus. So while I was at Purdue, my master's was looking at how my thesis actually was looking at how school gardens motivate individuals to participate and engage in classroom activities. So how can you use a school garden? for contextual learning, you know, something that's outside of the classroom that would enable people to engage. And so once I did that that study, you know, I kind of, kind of stood back a little bit and tried to see what the big picture was. And the big picture for me was the funding. You know, how, do, how, do, how are these programs able to get into schools? You know, what policies are put into place that create alternative learning structures for, for students? And, you know, in terms of green spaces, what enables us in our communities to visit parks and things like that and, and green gardens and urban gardens and things like that. So I got very interested in in like policy um, and green space, uh, which led me to my program here at, in the School of Forestry Resources and Conservation. And now I'm looking at more recreation. Uh, how do we engage in parks and, and different open spaces as people of color? Um, are are there any restrictions? Are there self-imposed restrictions? What are the constraints? And how can we kind of merge the two? Mm. Mm. Man, now I'm like, I was sort of like scrap the rest of my questions to talk about your research. As as a, a black woman who really enjoys like parks and green space, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm also like a single black woman in a city that I have no family. And so like literally two weeks ago, there's like this huge, beautiful park here in Pittsburgh, like uh, just beautiful. And I went out there like on a Saturday by myself and within half an hour, I was back in my car because I got lost for a second. That's the reason it took me half an hour. Um, I was back in my car on the way home because I was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. by myself in that space. Just the climate of the world, the fact that I'm a woman, the fact that I was out there by myself, like really made this public space feel like not for made for me, right? In a, yeah. a place that wasn't comfortable for me. And so it's just like, yes, people need, I always wonder like, you know, what, policies or what things could be in place that would mm-hmm. make me be able to engage with that space by myself. Cause now I still go, but I always go with somebody. I don't go by myself anymore. It's, so like, no, go ahead. What you, I was going to say, it's kind of interesting because you have so much going on. Like you said, the climate right now, I mean, we're mm-hmm. starting to see that more individuals are going to these spaces that they've never been before just because of COVID and they're tired of being inside. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. at one point a constraint was time. You know what I mean? I don't have mm-hmm. the time to do it, but now you have the time and you go. But still, you still have other layers um, that we're trying to peel back to see. You know, what are some constraints? Like, for example, 
maybe these parks are in an area where you don't frequent and you feel like you say you feel uncomfortable going so how do we how do we quantify that how do we measure that how do we because as a as a park manager you're trying to do everything you can to make sure that there's ample benefit for the park participant but on the participant side it's like how do we gauge you know are you going to come are you coming to exercise are you coming to learn about like let's say it's a, a garden are you coming to learn about mm-hmm. gardening or is it an educational experience you know it's just trying to measure that um it's it's difficult, but I think we 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 I have to come up with something. You know, this is my dissertation. Right, <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> right, right. right. So, um, yeah, that's that's where yeah. we are right now. Okay, and it was just like I guess it's giving you like a a kind of like a little story of like one version. Like, yeah, I'd never I never thought high level beyond like my level of comfort. Right, just as an individual going into a park. So mm-hmm. that's I think that's really really interesting, and I'm excited to see how that comes. Just so you know, I definitely show up to my uh guests uh dissertations with if they if they drop the link so i will be (laughs) if you drop the link on your instagram i will be there listening in so just to see like what comes out of your work okay and so what you have shared already is like you were in a really sounds like during your master's you were in a very um supportive space Mm -hmm. with a great advisor mentor and then a cohort of other like hbcu grads pursuing a phd I want to know what has your experience been as a black man in your program now as a PhD student? Are there is it the same? Is it different? In what ways is it different? If if so, it, it's the it's the same in terms in terms of I want to say support. You know, I, I'm okay. I'm the only African American male, only African American, if I'm not mistaken, in my program. So the support is real. I mean, my my advisors they're genuine. For example, just to take you through my pre-proposal meeting I had yesterday, um, I was going through the research on constraints, like what are constraints that enable people or prohibit people from visiting parks? And I was just going so down this rabbit hole on constraints and my advisor paused me and was like, you know, you you came into this program and you want to do environmental justice. And so I want to keep I want you to keep that at the forefront of your mind when you're doing your research is that, you know, this is something you're passionate about. And so once you do the research, try to find the links um, so you can draw it back to environmental justice because I didn't have any environmental justice in my research. And so I felt like by her hearing me and supporting the research that I want to do, you know, I, I, I felt supported in my space. But I will say I did struggle with the imposter syndrome. Um, sure. So I, I'm born and raised in Florida, like I said, and I got my GED coming out of high school. And so everybody that I consider smart or, or like that person that was on it, you know, academically they went to the university of florida or they went to these schools and i'm like i'm just a guy from tallahassee with a ged now i'm teaching classes full of kids that are at the university of florida and so i'm you know i struggle with that because i'm like how how are they going to listen to me you know i'm just a guy with a ged but i got over it because of the support that i had from my advisors and, and them empowering me and, and giving me like the autonomy and the, and the just allow me to do my thing, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, yeah. and I appreciated that experience. It was hard. It was very hard because we had my second son and my wife is in law school. She just graduated law school and she's studying for the bar right now. So just juggling all these hats. But I would say academically, yeah. I, I really appreciate the support uh, from my PhD program and, and advisors. 
Yes, I love to hear a shout out to your wife. Sounds like, you know, she's an amazing partner and like also super brilliant as well. Because that goes into my next question is how do you balance this? You know, you have a family, you have two two kids, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. um, if, if not more. And then, you know, you're married, you do this, you do this work, you have this podcast. How are you able to manage all of that? I'll be I'll be honest with you. It's a it's a semester by semester, day by day thing. I mean mm-hmm. the it's I wouldn't recommend it to anybody <laughs> in terms of being so ambitious. So just to give you some context of what I mean by that, um so when I was at Purdue, we had our first son. My wife wanted to go to law school. And so at the end of my when I was writing my thesis, I had my son by myself and she started at the University of Florida Law School. So I was watching my son doing my thesis and, you know, raising him. And so then we moved to the University of Florida. I got into the program. And so fast forward, she graduated from law school and had a job in Atlanta. And so for last the whole last year, entire last year, she was in Atlanta and I was here at the University of Florida raising my two kids and, and teaching class and things like that. So it, it's one of those things that we've been through, through it before. And so mm. I kind of learn as I've gone. But the really, really thing is is communication. I have, you know, schedules. We have like my personal schedule, her personal schedule, our family schedule. We try to keep keep that up to date as we can. But it's really just about communication, planning. And just knowing, just knowing, you know, the goal, like, what is the goal? The goal this semester is to get me through prelims. The goal last semester was bar, pass the bar exam. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so we just have like little milestones that are built into our plan. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love to hear it. Love to hear it. People making it work. And definitely uh, would love to even have y'all come back on and just share y'all experience. I think a lot of, there are a lot of listeners who are married or partnered and, you know, just wanting to know how does one make it work as a graduate student, especially with y'all both being in graduate school and having what sounds like really demanding roles. That's, that's so awesome. And so I want to know now, like, you know, honestly, you already had enough on your plate and I kind of touched on it, but like how or and why did you start the podcast? Oh, so the podcast was started, I want to say two years ago on mm-hmm. Juneteenth, it was started. And just looking back over my life and just realizing that I could have stopped at the GED, you know what I mean? I could have mm-hmm. worked at the Home Depot and stopped or once I found out I had a, I graduated FAMU with a 2.3 GPA, I could have not applied for grad school. You know what I mean? And so I just felt like my life has been an example of what it means to trust the process and what mm-hmm. it means to overcome obstacles and what it means to overcome adversity. And so um, my co-host, was, just to give you a little context about him, he was locked up facing life in prison, but he got off. Um, his wife is an OBGYN in Houston. And he's, he just started back at school. He got his degree. And he's going to law school now. And so we both wow. are living the trust and prosperous life. It's like it's like our life, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. at one point I felt alone. Like I said, when I was at the University of Florida, I felt like I was imposter syndrome. Like here I am teaching kids that I couldn't really stand toe-to-toe with academically a few years ago. Yeah. And so I want to talk about my experience, but I didn't know I didn't know if there was a space for me to do that. And so um, I started the podcast. The first episode is my co-host, and then the second episode is myself. When we're just talking about our stories and and what we went through, and what was what was the mindset like of of having imposter syndrome or feeling like you weren't good enough, or 
just playing the waiting game. Sometimes the process is about waiting. It's not more so like, you know, deliberate strategic planning or anything. It's just waiting, you know, waiting for your mm-hmm. opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we started the podcast. And we've had Navy SEALs on the podcast. We've had uh, NFL quarterbacks and lawyers all the way down to uh, someone who at 15 killed her partner who was 28 and faced 16 years in prison. And now she's like an entrepreneur. And so like, it's just been amazing um, that experience, but yeah, that's how we start the podcast. I'm sorry, get on a tangent, but <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Wow, I mean that's amazing. I'm over here like, okay, y'all. So once y'all done listening to this episode, let's all go over to our podcast player and look up Trust the Process. Look up for Amante Martin, so we have the right, you know, one and listen because I'm I'm into it. Like <laughs> now, I want to hear more episodes of your podcast. And I think that's really amazing, and I know so many people are motivated and inspired from hearing these different stories. And like, kudos to you all for creating that space and and that storytelling that's super dope thank you that's super dope for sure um and we're gonna get your handles and everything after our last segment so like i shared with you before and everyone who listens knows i like to end our podcast lessons from the trap before that though i do want to know is there any advice or like something you want to share with us that i didn't ask as you are you know and you've Come really, you know, amazing far. You have an amazing story about your graduate experience. Anything else that you want to share? I, I want to say I didn't mention another thing that motivated me at FAMU to, to persist. Uh, once I came back the second time, shout out to Dr. Darius Young, too, if he's listening. Um, he was my my African-American studies teacher when I, while I was at FAMU. And I remember being in class one day and we started to talk about, you know, be cognizant about the people, the older people, the older generation who's around you, because we're not far removed from the civil rights era and different movements that have, you know, placed us where we are today. You know what I'm saying? Like, be mm-hmm. mindful and pay homage to those who came before us. And so he started to tell a story about Betty Jean Owens from Tallahassee, Florida, um, a young lady that went to Florida and m University who was um, trigger warning, who was um, brutally raped by four white men um, in Tallahassee, Florida. And so this young lady went to trial and was the first in the South, maybe the first in the United States to go to trial against a white judge, all white jury to get them sentenced to life in prison. And so this story blew me away um, because Dr. Martin Luther King talked about it. Um, a lot of the, the researchers credit the Me Too movement to this case. And so I went home to my grandmother. And I was like, Grandma, guess what I found out today? Uh, I learned about this lady, Betty G. Owens, from Tallahassee, Florida. And before I could tell her the story, she started to cry. And I'm like, Grandma, what's wrong? And she was like, I am Betty G. Owens. Whoa. And so that story, I, I shout out to Dr. Darius Young because he introduced me in another way to my grandmother. And I knew that. Because she couldn't graduate from FAMU, I had to finish, you know what I mean? So I'm running this race, not just for myself, but also for her. Um, And so that's another reason why I started the podcast, because you have these individuals who hold these stories in, who think, like my grandmother, who think that it's nothing to be proud of or or it's nothing that, that you did in that situation that will bring you honor. But for her 80th birthday, I got her people from all over the world wrote her letters about how her story inspired them, even though she feels ashamed about it. And so I just wanted to leave that with uh, your listeners is that, you know, 
tell your story and live your truth. I'm over here big eyed. Like that is so like that was that was amazing. It was beautiful. And I hope you got your grandma on your podcast and telling her story. <laughs> Gotta get her on there. I'm gonna try. I'll try. She she's she doesn't she's still scared because uh what happened was okay. one of the guys got out and killed a lady by the name of Betty. And so all her life she's been kind of you know, running from that and, and mm, it's, it's yes. the, you know, the repercussions of that era. And so it's, it's been tough, you know, I've been trying to, you know, step out. So my first thing, like I said, for her 80th birthday, I got everyone to sign this book with Dr. Uh, Danielle McGuire. Also shout out to her. She wrote the book on the other side, the dark side of the street, if I'm not mistaken. And it highlights stories like Reese Taylor and my grandmother during these, during that time. And so I got this book for her and she, she cried, but she, she enjoyed just reading how her story has motivated people all across the world that she never met or never will meet. But, you know, I just wanted to give her her flowers while she mm-hmm. was still here and she can still smell them. So. Yes, absolutely. Wow. That was a beautiful, beautiful way um, to end this interview. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that piece. And, and yes, thank you to your grandmother for the work that she did unknowingly, right? Unknowingly, just doing yeah. what's right. Just doing what's right. So Oh my gosh. I almost feel weird transitioning because I feel like I want to take a moment, y'all. So if you need to pause, take a moment to like sink, let that sink in, please do. But we end every episode, Lessons from the Trap. The whole idea is that you can get motivation from anywhere. And as someone who like has an appreciation for rap and trap and all of those things, I thought this was a really fun way to kind of highlight um, our duality as Black scholars and also the beautifulness in Black music, Black culture. So I would love to hear your lesson from the trap. Oh, cool. So it's funny you, you, you say that, but I find a lot of meaning in, in music. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it could be because I love self-expression, whether it be someone telling their story, like I just shared with my grandmother or myself on my podcast. But um, me right now, I've been listening to Nipsey Hussle heavy. Like that's just mm-hmm. been on rotation just because of that mindset that he has of, you know, not letting anything, no circumstance come his way from achieving his goal. Uh, so uh, one of my songs is uh, Bigger Than Life uh, by Nipsey Hussle. So what he says is, um, I hope you make a movement. I hope your opportunity survives the opportunities. Hoping as you walk across the sands, you see my shoe print and you follow it till your life, till you change your life because it's all evolution. And I hope you find your passion because I found mine in this music, but I hope it's not material because it's all an illusion. Mm. So for me, it was just, you know, chase your dream you know what I mean I'll, yeah. I hope you you see what I'm doing you know what I'm saying if I can do it from where I came from then you have no excuse you know what I mean and don't chase materialistic things take chase what's true to you you know what I mean and so yeah that that resonates resonates with me Absolutely. And I feel like you said you had another one. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of nip, all nips. I mean. <laughs> okay. Give us one more. Give us one more. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, Victory Lap uh, spoke some things into the universe and they appear. I say it's worth it. I won't say it's fair. You find your purpose or you waste it there. So, so same thing. It's just we're here. We're here to chase our, our dream and our purpose because that's why we were put here. Um, he said, I remember an interview. He said that Basically, if if you touch a door and I touch a door, you'll leave a fingerprint and they'll know that it's you. You know what I'm saying? Just by your mm. fingerprint. So in this life, leave your fingerprint. 
You know what I mean? Do what's unique to you and, and chase it with, with unwavering faith. Just chase what's true to you because that's how you leave your mark. I love it. That's so dope. We got two lessons from the trap, y'all. Um, Amante, before we go, let me know where we can find you on the internet streets. So in these streets, I'm uh, <laughs> at Amante, A-M-O-N-T-E-M-A-R-T-I-N. Uh, that's my handle on Twitter and Instagram. But for the podcast, is overcome underscore achieve is the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I might have to send it to you. <laughs> yeah, send it to me if you need to. But y'all, um, either all the links uh, for Amante's podcast, for his Instagram and Twitter will be in the show notes. Uh, Amante, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, it's amazing. And we are inspired and motivated to like get our ish done. <laughs> and also, shout out to your grandma again. Shout out to your wife. Just, just all the shout outs because this is awesome. But thank you so much. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Talk to y'all next week. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Black and in Grad School. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackandgradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, 